Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast, recording from Los Angeles here on Thursday night after the LA Sparks pulled out an 86-74, fairly decisive victory over the Las Vegas Aces, and here to break it all down for us is Brady Klopp for Brady. This this had the uh, this had the feel of uh, an LA Sparks game of old with Candace Parker kind of finding her form a little bit here. Yeah. First time that that's happened this year. I mean, this is only her fourth game back from the hamstring injury, and I think in the first two games she shot one of nine in both of them. Um, the third one a little bit better, but just didn't look like herself. And this game, obviously, it wasn't, you know, she, she had some rust still and some teammate issues to work out still. She'd have nine turnovers. Um, but, yeah, this was, this was the first time we saw Candace Parker of old. It was the first time we saw her kind of controlling the game at times, finishing, scoring outside and inside, and making a lot of those crazy, amazing Candace Parker passes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she looked more, more, I don't know, more fluid, more explosive, but yeah. got a couple buckets at the rim, and, and that kind of, and just, the, they had that feeling, just doing some stuff in transition, you know, Candace and Chelsea Gray, just, that kind of brings the crowd to life a little bit, and it, this is and and now more than ever, you know, the wanting to see what their half court offense is going to look like, and it's going to continue to be a thing with with people in and out. But so that kind of getting that stuff is even like even more of a premium yeah. for them right now. Absolutely, and there was there was a lot of creativity that came with that that has been missing, I think, from the team all year long. And they've kind of talked a lot about how there should be a lot of creativity once they feel more comfortable in the system and once they feel more comfortable with each other. Uh, and I think. For the first time this season, we kind of saw that tonight with the passes they were making. A lot of times, as these things go, it resulted in overpassing. There were plenty of instances of that. Um, But more often than not, I felt like that overpassing came from being a little bit too creative rather than just not being on the same page. And Neko Gumake was a DNP, and we found out she had a busy day filming Space Jam 2 but it's in, in a way it's just it's kind of funny that a core piece misses a game like that and yet they still win it and it's, just... it's, it's especially crazy because this is the one team in the Aces where you feel like you can't afford to lose Neko Gumake. You're going up against just a star-studded front court in Liz Cambage and, and Asia Wilson and the Sparks for as good of a defensive team as they are, they're very... And for as big as they are in terms of having three-star bigs and often playing three big lineups, they don't have a traditional big in the sense that they can physically match up with Liz Cambage other than Kalani Brown, who I don't think either of us expected to play as many minutes or as good of minutes as she played tonight. So, you know, going in, I felt like before we found out Neko wasn't going to play because it was a game-time decision, I felt like, how are you going to defend Liz Cambage even with Neko Gumake? She's a tremendous defensive player, but she loses five inches to Liz. Um, and that's your best option, in my opinion, to defend Liz. And then, boom, she's gone. And now you're down to just Candace Parker and Shanae Gumake. And, and they still managed to... I mean, they didn't really hold Liz in check. She shot 9-12 from the field, but it didn't feel like she controlled the game the way we often see from Cambage and 
And that was not something I was expecting once Agumake was not playing. Yeah, the, 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 and that's some of that's the Aces doing that to themselves. They, there hasn't really been one of those signature Cambage games yet. I mean, when they blew New York and Atlanta out of the water, Liz was a big part of it, but those games were over so quickly. It just wasn't like a start-to-finish kind of... And, and so and Vegas is coming off that Tuesday game in Seattle's a real a real uh, rock fight at times and you know Bill Ambeard was very blunt saying he was embarrassed for his team and he wasn't happy with how things were going and and I, tonight I'm not like I don't think tonight was like a reason to really like double down or to take that stuff one step further I mean it was, it was just more of the same stuff like just bad turnovers like totally just sap them of any of their flow Kelsey Plum's really having a, a go of it right now. Two of her last twenty-five, and you know, on, so on some level, it's just like, yeah, it, it it is true that like they just need to make some shots and like they need to like cut out a few of those turnovers to feel a little better about themselves. And I don't know, did you see it any differently? Or no, no, that that feels pretty accurate. And I think you know, to me, as much as you can kind of dive into the nitty and gritty of of a game like this, to me, the Sparks came out with a little bit more energy a little bit more focus, and frankly, a little bit more desperation, which shouldn't be surprising because they were on a four-game losing streak. Uh, the wheels were coming off a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think that that was kind of the, the biggest thing was neither team was perfect. The Sparks were certainly sloppy, but it, it certainly felt like they were a little bit more focused, a little bit more aggressive, and, and the Aces... And many times just kind of dug their own grave a little bit by, by not getting to their spots, by not running things the way that they should be running them, and by just being not not quite as sharp and as focused as they needed to be to win. Yeah, it's the Aces are such a lightning rod just for discussion right now because they went out and got Liz Cambage, but I mean, they won four of the last five games before this, and like, you know, they weren't always pretty, and you know, losing to Washington, I think it did leave a, a foul taste in their mouth. But, I mean, they, you still won some games. And, and we're at this weird stage of the season where so many of these teams just, like, you do just kind of have to take what you can get, and it's not going to be perfect. And, you know, on some level, I think it – I've tried to be cautious with this team. Like, you know, not to say, like, make these grand statements after a couple moments. And it, it's it, – you know, for L.A., it's just it, – kind of the opposite side of that I think you just I think you saw some of those moments from Candace and I think those are just a reminder like yeah it's gonna be okay like it's got some stuff's gonna look a little different and you know they, they still are, are really just trying a bunch of different stuff but it's like when you're when your star players play well like it's it's gonna be okay and I, the, I think that's kind of the thing for the aces is like Liz is having like a 9 for 11 game and and something like that but it's just not it's not quite like the tip of the iceberg where it just like really feels like I don't know I mean does that make sense it just yeah. it doesn't feel like there's been there's quite been enough to have that moment where everything can kind of start to fall into place yeah and like I guess just to kind of add to that like I was surprised when I looked at the box score at the end of the game that Cambage had scored that efficiently and that she'd scored that much because so many of her points kind of just didn't feel 
I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. But so many of them kind of felt like, you know, every team has 10 to 20 points a game that they get that end up just being easy. You know, a breakdown in the opponent's defense or just a well-run play or whatnot. And it felt like Cambage was just kind of the person scoring for the Aces in those situations. It didn't ever really feel like the offense was running through her. It didn't ever really feel like she was taking over the game or like she was posing this problem that all of a sudden the Sparks didn't have an answer for. And and like you said, both of these teams, they have a lot of stars, and when your stars play well, your team plays well. It's it's usually how it goes. And, and I mean, for the Aces, Asia Wilson had kind of a mediocre game. Kayla McBride had kind of a mediocre game. And Cambage wasn't a dominant force. She just had a kind of a quiet, really nice game, but everything just kind of came when it came to her. It wasn't really forcing the issue, and and I felt like all night long, the Aces didn't have that answer. When the Sparks opened the second quarter with an 11-3 run, the Aces didn't have a go-to option. They didn't have someone that they were just giving the ball to and running the offense through, and they didn't have any sets either that were guaranteed to get them a good open look. It just was, the puzzle pieces weren't, weren't quite fitting together. Yeah, it's not, Asia and Liz, it's not, the you know, what everybody's envisioning is that duo just hitting you over the head repeatedly, and that's not happening yet. And, yeah, I mean, part of that, it's just they need to make some shots. You know, Jackie Young has been pretty up and down, and it's not going to come easy for her, obviously. And it's, I don't know, and they, they, they go every other day. They have Indiana again on Saturday. It's, I don't know, it, it's, I mean, the turnovers are just, the turnovers are, are definitely the most concerning part because it just, some of them just don't make sense and they keep piling up and, you know, that that's not, you know, they, the, you know, Liz and, and Asia, those are going to be the hammers for them. So when, when they, the fact that they aren't getting them the ball, that's what, that's where it kind of saps you twice as much because like with L.A., you know, they're, they're like their makeup and a lot of other teams, it's very different. Like, you know, Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray makes, make mistakes. Well, they're going to always have the ball in their hands anyways. Right. You know, the ball's already there. So the aces, kind of the concern with them is like they're not, they're not even setting themselves up to really get the best stuff that they can because those two players are going to be the source of most of it. Yeah, it's, it's always the downside of having your best offensive players be post players where you have to do something to get them the ball instead of starting that way. And and obviously it's not nearly this simplistic, but it felt like at times during this game, like the result would have been entirely different if the Aces could figure out how to make an entry pass. And like that's, that's way is way too simplistic, obviously, but there were just so many so many of those turnovers came from the ball stagnating on the perimeter and trying to make an entry pass that Elena Beard or Chelsea Gray or Tierra Ruffin Pratt just kind of deflected and then it became a loose ball. And those types of of turnovers are on the one hand they're inexcusable and on the other hand they're like you said, they're just kind of some of them are a casualty of having to get the ball into the hands of your best players rather than the possession starting with your best players. Yeah, and but let's talk about Kalani Brown, 
it's I don't know it, it, I mean so early in her career it is it's fun to see her go toe to toe with Cam Beige and she had some really nice moments offensively getting her shot off had a little up and, up and under there in the second half and we were with an earshot of Penny Toller who even though the shot didn't go in you know it was clear that she really liked what she saw there and it was it was the kind of stuff that you saw glimpses of at Baylor when she didn't have four people on top of her before she caught the ball um, but this is I mean the the whole idea is have her to play well and have her play well against Cam Beige Sylvia Fowles and Brittany Griner so the fact that she's already done it once I think you're already happy because in a sense anything they got from her was going to be gravy all along yeah I mean honestly this her her performance tonight was a more meaningful performance than I expected her to have at any point this season like, and I, I don't say that to to throw shade at her, but um, I wasn't the highest on her coming into the year. And then you come into a team that has Candace Parker, both the Gwumikes, Maria Vadiva at some point will be back. Um, it, it's going to be hard. It always projected to be hard for her to find those minutes. And um, I mean... Credit to her for her performance tonight. Credit to her teammates for putting her in good positions, I think, both offensively and defensively. And credit to, to Derek Fisher for being willing to go to a matchup that is one that, where she can provide an impact. I mean, he he sent Colony Brown to the scorer's table less than two minutes into the game. Yeah, I think it was at the 8.15 mark in the first quarter, and he sent Colony Brown to the scorer's table, which is... I mean, at that point, part of it was kind of like, all right, well, maybe you could just start it with her. But um, he gave her the chance to go against Cambage when she was the only player on the roster that physically can match up with a Cambage or, like you said, a Fowles or a Griner. Um, and she deserves to, to get those minutes because they're going to need her to play those minutes if they're going to do well against those teams. And she didn't back down. That's that's for darn sure, and and I think, you know, I was talking with some people before the game. She seems to almost do better in those matchups against players that actually match her physical stature. Um, and I don't know if it's just that you that she can play them more straight up, not have to deal with kind of the funny angles of a smaller player defending you and and poking at the ball. She can just kind of put on a traditional post move. And we saw it tonight, like you said, with the up and under that she missed, and she also had one the possession before that was a little. I think it was a, um, I think it was a, a fake over her left shoulder towards the middle, and then spin back baseline, and finish there. And that one she actually did make the layup on, but it was it was back to back possessions where she had two really really strong post moves against Cambage that kind of showed. As a reminder that when you're that size, if you have those solid moves and, and footwork and fundamentals, you're going to be able to, to make an impact on the game. Yeah, I got, got a little chippy there with this, the hair pull, or wasn't it a hair pull? Was it a natural thing? Uh, Cambage ended up getting slapped with a flagrant for that, and Kalani got a tech for the resulting push. And you talked to her after and put the video out on Twitter, but... I mean, it seemed like it was just kind of a reactionary thing. Like, she was just so surprised to for that to have happened. Yeah, yeah. She told me that, that they got tangled earlier in the game and, and that Cambage had told her that she was going to pull her hair. And Kalani said that she didn't think she was actually going to do it. But then when she did do it, she was so surprised that she just 
shoved her without even realizing what had happened because, uh, I mean, that feels like a pretty natural reaction when, when someone pulls your hair, especially when they've told you that they're going to do it. Um, so, but, but I, I thought her composure was really impressive. You know, in that moment, she bounced back from that. She did not get chippy. She did not really get talkative or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not Kalani Brown's persona and it's not her game. And she stayed true to herself. She was like that in the locker room. She was in a good mood when she was telling me that story. She said she doesn't hold anything against Cambage, that it's all good, that's part of the game. She was smiling. And then, you know, even a few minutes after that play, um, she was defending Cambage in the post. Things got very physical. Cambage popped her in the chin with an elbow um, that ultimately they ended up calling foul against Brown a few seconds later uh, and they reviewed they reviewed that play to see if Cambage had had another flagrant foul I honestly thought they were going to I don't know if you got a good look I honestly thought they were going to call a second flagrant on Cambage for that elbow I didn't even catch the replay I just like Marina Mabry flew in there kind of as a double <laughs> and I thought they were reviewing that part of it I was like what what do they do? Like, Marina maybe like, did she, maybe she slapped her arm, but like, what are the, yeah, I missed, I missed that part of it. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't they weren't, it, was, it wasn't going to escalate, it was, but it was good to see, it was fun to see, fun to see them going toe-to-toe. Um, another player for LA, Raquana Williams, got, drew her first start of the season, played 35 minutes, 18 points, and three threes in that fourth quarter as they, one of them as they quickly turned 13 to 18, and then the game was like it was almost over from there. It wasn't. It was teetering on like a full quarter of garbage time, but Vegas kind of stuck around. But she stuck two more of them, and and it, it's just it's just more it's it, it's it's not that the that the stuff can't work to get three of those bigs out there, but it's just to have a more traditional look. I think it, that just matters because you just you need that other guard out there and. We saw her breaking down, breaking it down a little bit and getting in the lane too, which I think is like, like she needs to do that more. Like it, she's like the the shooting isn't enough. There's so much more there, and and you see like her, like cross somebody over and just dial it up all of a sudden, and then she's in the lane. It's like yeah, like why doesn't that happen more too? Yeah, they they need more of that because I mean really she provides things that no one else on this team provides not only from her athleticism standpoint, but no one else on the team is really a driver, especially the people who have their ball in their hands a lot. Chelsea Gray can obviously do it, uh, but she's a little bit more comfortable more moving east-west than north-south. Uh, she likes to kind of have those patient plays, hiding behind the picks, crossing people over, um, hitting the, the step-back jumpers. Raquan is really the one player who can take you off the dribble, explode to the rim, get a layup, and that shooting is just so necessary in this lineup, even when they're not doing the three bigs. They just need the shooting. Obviously, Elena Beard and Tierra from Pratt aren't, aren't great shooters. Sinead doesn't shoot them. NECA's been more willing and more efficient this year, but she and Candace still don't shoot them at as high of a clip as you would like. Neither does Chelsea. Uh, having someone who pulls a quick trigger is really important on the team, and having someone who can penetrate gives them something because often they play inside out with no regard for the middle of the floor. And it just, it, it becomes too predictable and too easy 
to defend when you're just kind of throwing it in and throwing it out and not forcing your opponent to guard against penetration. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. I mean, and it just it's just a little extra something. You know, it's not just you know, Candace Parker, Chelsea Gray do something. Okay, if they hit a wall, shot. You know, yeah. there's that little extra. You know, where Quana can dribble, dribble, collapse somebody again, and then set something up. You know, to not just be, you know, to not just be kind of funneled into, you know, whatever shots people want to take. And and Elena Beard did come off the bench, and so that was meant Ruff and Pratt starting at the three, and her just hitting a couple open threes like that always helps too. I mean, that was a big part of big part of what they did in the second half. Um, and, and it's it feels. It's. It felt more. You know, they felt more like the Sparks felt more dynamic throughout the game with what they were putting out there. You know, when you're going, you know, they had Candice sprinkled in there with Marina Mabry. Uh, Ricardo Williams basically played the whole game, so it's just it wasn't as cut and dry. Bench starters and yeah, I, the Sparks should feel pretty good. I don't know. It's just I. I think there's just a lot a lot for them to like about this. Just. You know, it, even losing four in a row, it, they still, they just, they're in a good spot right now. Yeah, yeah, they're in a good spot. And, and you know, I said this on Twitter, but every every time something goes poorly with the Sparks, every time they lose a game or even, you know, lose a quarter or a few minutes stretch, everyone points their fingers at Derek Fisher. And a lot of the time that is warranted. You know, there have been some questionable things. There have certainly been some times where the team hasn't been as prepared as they should be um but tonight was a reminder that the players are a pretty big part of it too and this was the best Candace Parker we'd seen this was the best Raquana Williams we'd seen uh this was the best Kalani Brown we've seen this was one of the best Chelsea Grays we've seen just the best Chelsea Gray we've seen in terms of playmaking I think this year um one of the best Elena Beard and one of the best Tierra Ruffin Pratt's that we've seen this year um, and and not in the sense of an outlier, not in the sense of anyone really having a, a performance that they can't have, that they can't replicate in another game. Um, it was just this team so far, between bad luck and injuries and just poor poor performance, their players haven't played as well as they should have. Um, and tonight they played the way you would expect them to play, and the results... We're commensurate with it, and like you said, it, they, they should be feeling good because they didn't really do anything special tonight. They kind of just played the way they should be playing. They had a lot of mistakes that they can clean up, I think. I mean, 14 turnovers, you know, they can... They they have areas to improve, and, yeah, they, sh- they should be feeling really good about this game because they really controlled it for the last three quarters of the game without Neko Rumage. And they're, both these teams are about to host... They each are about to host Chicago and Washington in that order. The Aces have Indiana on Saturday before that. But that'll be interesting. Chicago's been Chicago's been really fun so far, and Washington is might be playing some of the best basketball right now. Um, so those are two those are two pretty important measuring sticks, and I think those are two game, two games you can really start to kind of learn something about. You know, especially for LA like Candace isn't didn't you know she's not playing like 15 minutes you know she's she's back she's back in and with Vegas Liz is we've seen Liz play 30 plus minutes a couple times so 
don't know. What do you think? Does does something about one of those two matchups for LA stick out to you, or what do you what do you think will be the most interesting thing for the, LA? By the way, they have they have a full week off between that yeah. Chicago game and that Washington game, so that's that's nice. That that I think will really help them. Um, you know, they're for the most part they're getting healthy now. Alexis Jones is injured, but she's obviously on the back of the the bench regardless. But even Candace Parker, you know. She will play five games by the time they get to that week off. And when you're come rehabbing from an injury, those sorenesses can get back up again. The fatigue can set in pretty quickly. So I think that's important for them to have that that week off. They can certainly use it. And then they're going to start incorporating um, Maja Vadiva back into the fold right right around that time as well because that's right when Eurobasket is, is ending. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by their game against Chicago. Because with that week off afterwards, I think it is an opportunity for them to really build some momentum, have a little mini winning streak, and feel like you have righted the ship after the four-game skid, and feel like you're back on path instead of you know one step forward, two steps back, which has kind of been their theme so far this year. And Chicago is, is an interesting kind of measuring stick, because they have played really well. They're obviously not one of the best teams in the league, but they're playing very good basketball. And they play hard. They play incredibly hard. So it's not a team that is just going to roll over for you. It's not a team that you can jump out to a lead on and expect them to just kind of wilt away. It's, it's a team that the Sparks are going to have to really get up for, and they're going to play an energetic, at times fast-paced game. They're going to have to deal with... Got to deal with Jantel Lavender coming yeah, back. Yeah, got to deal with Jantel Lavender coming back. See if anything exciting happens there. Rain some, rain some long two-pointers yeah, with a toe yeah, on the line. Well, everyone on the Clippers bench just shakes their head. Did I say Clippers? How did that yeah, happen? he did. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I was. I apologize for that. I don't know where that came from. I was thinking of NBA free agency all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> we are sitting here in, in Staples Center surrounded by... Well, right now we're sounded by Beyonce and Taylor Swift, but uh, lots of different basketball paraphernalia. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think that'll be a fun game. I think watching, I think watching them defend Diamond to Shields is is going to be fun. I think that is a they have players who can defend her well. I think in TRP and Elena Beard. Yeah, but it's still a unique athlete that the likes of which they haven't had to, to face that much that has the chance to kind of disrupt your game plan a little bit. And I think Chicago has enough good shooters on their team uh, that it will be interesting to to see how the Sparks handle that defensively because there have been a few times this year where the Sparks have kind of willingly let opponents shoot threes and sometimes it's worked out and sometimes it's come back to bite them. Even today, before the game, I asked Derek Fisher about how much he was going to defend on his depend on his perimeter defenders dropping down and helping on the, in the post. And he basically said, "We're going to do a little bit of that because the Aces don't really like to shoot threes that much. So even though they can make them, we know that they're not going to want to take that many. So if we leave them open a little bit, it happens." And we've seen that come back to, to bite them. Uh, they took that approach a little bit against Phoenix, and Leilani Mitchell torched them for 22 first-half points. 
Uh, we saw him take that approach against New York, which Fisher, I don't know, very strongly defended himself for leaving Amanda Zubibi open all night long because she had a low percentage coming into the night. She made seven of eight and was really the reason that the Liberty won that game. Um, so, you know, they have their defensive process, and obviously you can't leave Allie Quigley open, or she'll do what Amanda Zubibi did. Um, but it will be interesting to see what the Sparks' defensive scheme is in that game because at some level this year they've kind of been okay seeding certain shots. And if they if the shots they're seeding are Jantel Lavender long twos, then I think they'll probably be fine. But if the shots they're seeding are three-pointers from their perimeter players, it might be a different story. Yeah, and for the, for the Aces, the this indie game is interesting because we just had... We just had the top, one of the top centers in the 2019 class, Kalani, going up against Cambage, and then the next game is Jeremy McCown of the Fever, so that's fun that that's kind of back-to-back and to kind of get a look at that. And especially if McCowan starts, hopefully that'd be fun and kind of gets matched in the same way. But just to just to get a taste of it, to see that matchup and see how they kind of battle and maybe even they get to go one-on-one a little bit, I think especially Cambage with McCowan guarding her. That might be something that Indiana lets her lets her play that one on one right away. So that'd be fun to see how that works out. And then the Chicago game for Vegas is one of the early starts. So I don't know if that'll I don't know if that'll affect things at all. Chicago will be coming up up from LA after they play them on a Sunday. But I think I think Washington's kinda I think Washington's kinda the, the team to beat right now. I think it's kinda the, the team that everyone kinda look at and say we want to replicate what they're doing. We want to, you know, we know how motivated they are and how they're going to come out every game and how seriously they take this. And Vegas, obviously, they're trying to take it better care of the ball. All the same stuff we've heard. And Washington just, you know, they just they they seem very matter of fact with their precision and all that. And it's yeah, it's I don't know. Are they uh, are they the favorites right now, or, or what are you kind of making of of who's kind of separated themselves the most? I feel like Washington has to be the favorites at this point. Um, I mean, obviously Connecticut had such an incredible start to the season, and my preseason pick was actually Phoenix, um, which I'll admit was partially to be a a contrarian because everyone was picking Washington. Um, So I am curious to see what the Mercury look like once they get Tarasi back and up to speed. Um, They've obviously had a kind of disappointing start to the year, but... Yeah, I feel I feel like Washington is is the team to beat. Just if for no other reason than they have they have no glaring weakness to me. They don't have an area where you can say, "Hey, we can beat them if we just do this. We can beat them if we keep them from doing this." They can kind of enforce their will inside and out, offensively and defensively, half court and transition. They have a very good coach. And they have, in my opinion, and I believe in your opinion as well, the best player in the sport. Um, and in the playoffs, that, that really matters to me when you get to two teams that are essentially even, which I think you could you know, maybe make the case that Connecticut and Washington are even. Um, I give the advantage to the team that has the better player. And I believe that Washington has that advantage against 11 other teams. Um, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts, speaking of Washington and speaking of their upcoming game with the Aces, 
how do you envision the Aces defending Helena Deladon? It's they they I mean they can send a crowd to her. It's I think Hamby's Dierker Hamby's probably the best one on one matchup, but you know, how much do people really guard Elena Deladon one on one? Um you know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's like a huge concern for them with all the length that they have because the I mean the thing that's easy to forget is like once Asia Wilson and Liz like once you get them under the basket like I mean they're just so big and so long and they can do so much stuff I think that the toughest part is just the toughest part I think we saw it a little bit and the first time they played was just when they come at you before you're set and then Elena catches it at the top of the key and it's like oh man I gotta run out there you know that 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 extra moment where if, if you really have to run at her I think that's kind of when you're dead because mm-hmm. you just everyone is so worried about that pump fake on that three and then that's kind of where she plays out of that so well so I mean I, they just they just have to get they have to be able to get set more I think it's really it just it really comes down to their offense like they just force Washington pull the ball out of the basket and just don't let them come at you off turnover with a live dribble and I, they can they can make it just as tough as them like Latoya Sanders is awesome but She's given up a ton of weight and height against Cambage, and and Asia Wilson can make it make stuff just as tough on them. But you know, I, the, helping out at the rim when she drives, I don't think that's the problem. You know, they just they have to. I don't know. It's I don't I don't think that much matchup is really going to kill them necessarily. But I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. It's just. It's it's so weird. It's still weird, kind of trying to find your footing with this season. Cause it's like, all right, we had to wait for Candice to get back, waiting for Trossi to get back. Is Angel McCautry gonna come back? Um, what in the world are the Aces gonna look like two months from now? But yeah, I don't know. It's it's the the excitement, the upside and the downside of such a short season is. Here we are finding ourselves with these teams having already played a third of their games, um, and we still have so many questions. And you're still at a point where one game is such a huge amount of the season that of the games that you've already played. I mean, obviously this is a funny way to look at it, but you think about the narrative for what the Aces are facing here, losing and falling to six and five, versus what the narrative would have been if they won. And we're seven and four, having just beat the Sparks, and likewise for the Sparks, snapping a losing streak against a good team. They're five and six. If they lose this game on a five-game losing streak, they're four and seven. The narratives are dramatically different tomorrow than they are with the way the results actually held up. So it's it's a fun part of the season where where each each game can shift how the public is viewing a team even though we have all these moving parts of players like Cambage and, and Sinead Wumake fitting into new teams, of new coaches, of players who are injured, players who are just working back into the fold, uh, everything is unpredictable and, and kind of liable to change on a night-to-night basis, which is fun. Well, yeah, I don't know if... I mean, is somebody going to rattle off, like, 10 straight wins again? Like, we're going to keep this going? You know, New York in 2017, Atlanta last year, like... If if that, the you know at some point like Phoenix is, might get to a point where they need that, but like yeah. it, it, it if 
if this is finally the year where that doesn't happen, that I think that makes the very top even more interesting because there might be more teams actually in in the chase for one and two, which really which really adds to it. You know, it's, it's great to have a race like at the bottom, but you know, it, it's just it's not the same, and and yeah. the the stakes are really at one to two where you get that where you get in that series and you don't have to play single elimination and and yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, you know, we're west, we're on the west coast here. Hopefully, Vegas, Phoenix, LA, at least one of them's hosting a series makes yeah. it makes it easier to go cover it. Absolutely, let's uh, cross our fingers for that. All right, so looking forward to these these matchups with Chicago and Washington for both these teams, and you know, after, coming off that Phoenix game, three days off, and Candace Parker to already look a lot better after that. After that whole week, I can only imagine. How the sparks will look, and then quickly getting Vadiva back after that, and then you know the, their, your job was to stay afloat. So if they win one more of these games, I think you've accomplished that more yeah. or less. Would you say? Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's been a funny way in which they've gotten to there. Obviously, they've had some some pretty exciting wins like tonight, and, and like their home opener against Connecticut, and they've had some some pretty disappointing losses along the way. So it's kind of been a circuitous route to potentially getting to 500 on Sunday. But, yeah, when you look at the amount of games they lost Candace Parker to and the amount that she didn't look right coming back, the amount of games they lost Elena Beard to, Vadiva to, and now Neka Agumake to, while working in a new coach and a lot of new players, yeah, I think treading water to get to that July 7th point where really the season then begins for them. I think they will absolutely take that. Yeah, I mean, just not just not digging out of a hole like Atlanta. They're getting there where they yeah. have to dig out of a hole. You know, they play New York and then they're on the road for three in a row, and and you're kind of getting at that point. And so I think both these teams, it's just it's 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 so it's the the frustrating part is like this is a matchup obviously so, so many people would want to see, and it'd be one of many that'd be fun to see in a series, but. In the opener, you have no Candice, um, and then Vadiva's there, and then she's gone. And now this one, Nekogumake doesn't play, Vadiva's gone. So then who knows what the next one will look like. But we're not, the funny thing is, is like we're not even going to see so many of these matchups with everybody at 100%. And then, so even if they play each other in the playoffs, it might be one game. And I think that's just, that's what makes this, I think that's what makes this league so tough too, because it's like, all right. You know, did we really like? You know, everyone says like the Sparks. You know, like oh, is the defensive rebounding the problem? Are they not big enough? Well, they might really. They might not even play like a Liz Cambage with their full team. So it's like, how do you really know? But you know, it's. I don't know. Yeah, and you and you just might get a draw that that focuses on your weaknesses, or you might get a draw that hides your weaknesses in those first single elimination games you know we've seen that so many times in the past where where a team has you know one area 